0: Hey everyone, it's John Kerwin here, and I'm really excited as this is my podcast called Open Minded. This podcast is interviewing inspirational people from all walks of life. You know, I want to give you the real stuff that's happening every day in the minds of these leaders, how they stay well in high pressure roles, how they build resilience in themselves, how they look after their people, and how can you invest in yourself and your people to do mental well-being well. So this is JK and this is Open Minded. So let's go. I have this very, very, very special guest. Um, and when I first looked at his name, I thought, oh, bro, he must be a bit of Samoan, it's Toffe Evans. <laughs> but actually it's Tooth, which is short for Christopher, right? I know you're born in, born in New Zealand, um, grew up in Australia, but for me, you know, a prolific young thought leader in mental wellbeing, He's also, and get this, an ultra-marathon runner. I want to I dive into that because that's nuts in its own right. Um, he's an author, a business owner, a public speaker, and a wellness coach, and all this before his 30th birthday, which is still ahead. So just, uh, just a young man. Toast book everyone has a plan until this shit hits the fan. Um, amazing, amazing title. It's about his personal struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts, a place where um, I've been myself. He writes about how he was able to build resilience and overcome mental ill health. So that's why I'm excited that he's on Open Minded, and this is going to be one hell of a journey because we're going to talk about running down Mount Everest and some, some, some really crazy stuff. But welcome, mate. Thank you so much for your time to start with. I'm too excited to get started, so welcome.
1: Thank you so much, John. It's an absolute pleasure, mate, to share the screen with you, um, obviously a big fan. And it's, it's awesome that us as men can have these kind of conversations. So anyone else that's listening, don't feel alone.
0: That is so true. That is so true. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I'm interested about today is I think we all know the why. Um, I think there's less stigma around it for, you know, because of people like yourself. And but also I think it's important for men and women to learn the how. Right. How do we actually go about this once we're not embarrassed to talk to someone, once we're not embarrassed to say, you know, I, I always say. Um, what turned my corner was someone said to me, JK, it's an illness, not a weakness. But the interesting thing about mental health for me is it took away my self-esteem, took away my self-confidence and took away my enjoyment in life. And what people don't realise is that's part of the illness. But I was looking at me. I don't know how you felt about what it took away from you.
1: Oh, mate, you're speaking for me as well. It's It took away my who i felt i was as a person changed my identity i feel and i couldn't live to my truest self and i remember watching a video that you were featured in about when you were, were in all black and how there's all this judgment that you that you were carrying around what do people think they think i'm depressed and all this and that carries another level of like another burden on top of that so i definitely relate to who I am as a person, when I was going through that unconsciously, I wasn't able to live my life who I was because I'm too busy in fear. I'm being held back by everything that I was doing from a work standpoint, any sort of relationships that I was in, and just who I was carrying as a person. How am I meant to show up when I'm just riddled with fear? And it's obviously there's, there's root causes behind everything.
0: The interesting thing, the the word fear is really really interesting for, for me because I believe um, you know sometimes I talk about my sharks you know I try and I try and explain to people what fear is so some of my sharks were my deeper um, issues that I had to deal with and, and you'll you, you'll probably know what that means but an anxiety attack was so damn scary that it was what I call pure fear. Um, so when you when you say you're walking around or with your fears what do, what do you what do you mean what does that feel like? can you remember?
1: Yeah uh, I, I find that fear well, whatever emotion that we're going through can can be felt in different parts of the body and for me personally, fear there there's functional fear and there's dysfunctional fear right like it's there's health it's like healthy stress and unhealthy stress for me, when I'm holding on to anxiety and not letting go of it, and it's usually in my stomach or in my shoulders. From that, there's this it's like what what is the fear of? And for me it was feeling unworthy, feeling worthy of living, feeling unworthy of being lovable, feeling unworthy of success. Even though when you mention those specific accolades that I have, at the time there's an imposter syndrome going through as well, which is a fear of a fear of judgment, fear of feeling like I'm a fraud. So with that, I wasn't able to recognize it at the time and use the word sharks. That's beautiful. Like there's these, they're beautiful creatures, but they can bite us in the ass and it can hurt and take away, feel like they were taking away our limbs. So that's what it was for me. And it's, it's, there's an acknowledgement now. Like if I'm, it's like the butterflies, but they feel like a shark. For me, it's in the stomach or if I'm in the shoulders as well. So, yeah, i don't know if that relates if you're yeah, totally
0: to that. yeah totally um I, I was reading you know everyone has a plan until the shit hits the fan and it was really interesting that you talk about um which was interesting so i often talk about alcohol um i never went down the drugs pathway but um, you know i talk about addiction and and drugs and for me alcohol actually worked for a few hours and that was the scary part but then i'd go back at a hundred miles an hour and um, so it was sort of this uh, horrible space to be in because I craved to be out of my head and out of those feelings. And alcohol gave me some of that. But then I knew it wasn't really going to work, you know. Um, so you looked, you looked for other medicines, I call them, you know, alcohol and drugs, to try and help with that fear and dumb it down a bit or numb it down a bit.
1: Yeah, um, there was there's alcohol there were specific substances recreational drugs and one that i probably don't speak about enough is validation that's a drug external validation john where i am everyone i'm seeing i want to be liked and loved by everyone because i i may have not got that i may have not felt like i got that need as a kid right so that's a drug in itself and that was probably more addictive than anything and it wasn't until actually after I had written the book that I was I was actually properly conscious of that after going through enough men's work and therapy to go, Oh my gosh, that was actually probably the catalyst to lead into drinking, to go down the drugs, to numb myself, because I was too scared of what I was feeling. I was too scared of the fear <laughs> that, which is like a juxtaposition and an oxymoron in itself. But I totally. went in there to, yeah, I went in there to escape and I didn't want to come out into the reality of it because I felt safer there. Mm. And
0: that's really uh, the validation is really, because one of my sharks was I wanted to be liked or I wanted to be loved. And so I would change my personality because I wanted you to like me. And I, and uh, when you talk about the validation point, um you know for me it was actually I I couldn't really change that until I learned to love myself warts and all so how did you how do you and I still have like people say are the sharks still around I say yeah when I get under pressure the sharks are still around so sometimes when I feel the need for that validation I know I need to step back so how do you control you know your validation need nowadays or have you cured it
1: It's still a work in progress if I be completely honest. So there are times where under pressure, I will feel like, I'll give you a good example. Last week I was recovering from COVID and it was probably one of the hardest. It was one of the hardest weeks coming out of that for me because the littlest things got to me and I'm something I'm conscious of is when I'm in that stage, I want to be rescued. And I'm relying essentially on my part and I'm wanting people to get me out of this because I'm the only one that can rescue myself. I can have people that can guide the light. I have awareness around that, but going back to your question around, what do I do, it's you, I a hundred percent agree with you. It's like, I can't love anyone unless I don't love myself. And that self love journey has been a discovery in itself because it's like, what, what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean to love? And I had to break it down to the simplest forms. What are the things that I'm doing for myself to fill my own cup up before I can fill it, before I can pour that into other people? So for me, it's, I don't check my phone first thing in the morning. That is a ritual regardless, unless I've got to be up at say 4.30 and going, exercising with a friend. Like I might need to check the phone in case they're not, they're going to bail on me or whatever, but it's 95% of the time I don't check my phone I try to do some sort of exercise. I try to do some sort of meditation and journaling, put my thoughts onto paper, at least have that quality time with my partner and have my coffee. And that makes me that it's those little things over time that accumulate and they accrue and it becomes habitual. And they're the things that I look back and go, oh gosh, I'm glad I made that a habit so that when, even when I was doing through COVID, I might not be able to exercise and leave the house, but I can still have 80% of everything else. That i can do to make sure that i'm filling up my own cup up so i know that i'm enough and this will help like i'm going to become a dad in a few months so i know priority yeah right i'm so stoked too mate and priorities are going to shift and responsibility is going to be there on a whole nother level and that's going to be a mad test for me to go what am i doing for myself so that i can look after my my son is coming here so and I-, I would love to ask you mate what do you do for yourself um to prevent that I guess that validation going out of control
0: yeah I think um for me I put my mental health first um and I put my mental health first because I am a better husband better dad better friend better workmate better me so um at at Groove we talk about the six pillars so you know I live by my six pillars and they are simple things like yours Um, feeling the water in the shower is very, very important for me. Um, you know, that's how I started. I have a cup of coffee. I taste the coffee. I have a workout in the morning. I do my breathing exercises. So I have these six, I connect, you know, I have something to look forward to. I was, I was just so excited about doing this podcast with you, right? And I was really looking forward to it and that made my day, right? And so there's little things that we can do that actually, um, uh, just lately, I've been working on a to done list, right? Because we're always thinking about a to-do list, so we're always thinking forward, right? And and no one's life's finished anymore, right? Your your inbox is always full. The end of the day is never, right? But if you think about a to done list, right, then you're thinking, oh, I've done some good stuff. So you know those that that's that's how I do it. And and um, you know, parenting is awesome, man. I and mean, it's scary. It's 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 cool. It's awesome. It, it is. But a, a wise man who was my dad said to me, "A child only needs love." So that's that's. If you can keep that in mind, you know that's all. That's that's pretty cool. But listen, I don't want to talk about me because I want to talk about you. So in your book, um, in your book, it was really interesting. And, and one thing that I was reading and and it made me reflect on myself. Right. So. I, I also had suicidal ruminations. I never planned my own suicide, so I was very fortunate. But at one stage, I, there was hope, and I don't know where that came from. And I was reading your book, and 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 you know the the, the physical side, which it sounds like a real weird thing. For me, and I want to dig into that because ultra mountain sounds like something that wouldn't be good for your mental health, right? <laughs> because it's so hard. <laughs> but let's let's take a step back. But but the thing is, when when did you decide that? Yeah, you know, how did you decide, and when did you decide that actually there's a better pathway than the one I'm in? Right. It's
1: there. Will there's something. I don't know if it was a voice in my gut or the universe, but there was a thing that was telling me this is meant to be, but this is not the way I meant to go. That, that came to me going, do not waste this opportunity. There is more for this right now. It probably like everything happens for a reason and I couldn't pinpoint it at the time because. I'm in the trenches and i'm not able to look at a different lens or a different perspective like i was i needed to go through that to be the person i am today and to have this conversation right now Mm -hmm. the it's it's so funny john because throughout my primary school days i was i i only did individual sports because i didn't have the best hand eye coordination so you would never really see me on the rugby pitch with other guys i would always be the kid that got picked last and that that actually stuck with me as a judgment later on and it actually carried through to my running unconsciously. I didn't realize, but when I was in a pretty bad funk, I knew that I needed to leave the house. I needed to get exercise. I needed to get movement. I like, if I, if I fast forward and try and piece it all together, like all that for me, when the depression anxiety got pretty bad for me, it was during my travel days because there Mm -hmm. was an identity thing for me. People were knowing me as this party kid, right? And that's who I was. And it took a toll on me. And when I saw that, when I felt that and embodied it, I'm being loved. I'm being noticed. I'm being seen. I'm being heard things that I may have not had as a kid that I felt uh, that I thought of. It got, it got to, it got pretty bad that to the point I'm looking in the mirror and I am not happy with the person I am looking at. So I want to be someone else. So I'm adding on all these masks, right? I'm the phantom of the opera, the best way, like this there's two sides of it. It's like literally two-faced. Like I've got the side that I am want to fabricate, but then I've got my side underneath who's actually just a sad, scared little boy. And it got to the point where I'm relapsing. I needed to do something around alcohol and drugs or else I'm going to get, yeah, I'm probably going to be in a box anytime soon. Um, that stayed throughout. But for me, it was like, what is the best thing I could do after speaking with a few friends and a few mentors and it was get some exercise, get some movement going, because I would be able to clear my mind and at least put focus to that. So as I fast forward, like, as I said, like in school, I I was never really the sportiest of kids. However, I did find running as a way to a new, a new escapism. Like I started small and then I started to enjoy the process and I started to get obsessed with it to the point of, Oh, this is crazy. I didn't think I was able to do this. So it started to feel, it started to give me a sense of confidence that I was able to go, oh my gosh, I was able to run 3K today. I remember at school that that was the furthest I was able to do. And now I'm looking for a little bit more. I'm looking for a little bit more. Let's push myself and actually try and sign up for like a marathon. So that signing up for a marathon was one of the best things I could have done for myself because I gave myself four months in there. I was focused, I was obsessed, and I didn't it was, it, it was like something for myself and it was something that I'd never felt at that time because I was doing everything for everyone else. If that makes sense, I was doing it to be like, I'm, I'm not even doing this for myself. So when I decided to do the marathon, that became a massive shift for me to go, all right, what's actually possible. I'm, I'm literally feeling like I was on the brink of um, suicide not too long ago, but now I'm able, this is a I'm able to turn this around for myself. And that helps reinforce that belief of this is meant to be, but this is not the way I'm meant to go.
0: There's a, while you were talking, excuse me, looking down because I'm scribbling notes and and stuff. Um, So I wrote down while you were talking um, about being uncomfortable with yourself. And someone told me the other day, and I wrote it down. You feel uncomfortable with yourself when your actions don't align with your true values. But, and I think that's a beautiful saying, but getting back to the party boy, so was, was, so you're partying and you're actually getting validation from it, right? So it's feeding your shark, but then you look in the mirror and you go, but that's hard to detach from, right? Because if validation is one of your sharks and you're getting it from being something that's not aligned with your values, it's still pretty strong to give up. So how do you actually go, well, how do you detach from the validation? And then I, I think that's fascinating.
1: I didn't learn this till. So at this point, John, I'm trying to paint a picture here of timeline wise. That's 2014. I didn't figure that one out until 2000 and end of 2018. So I'm on this five year journey where it's, and it saddens me that to know this, that a lot of when after i doing that marathon and then I started doing ultra marathons and really started to push and, Put myself at a whole nother level validation is there before and i'm not even aware of it i'm doing these big events to be seen i'm doing this to be noticed as this and it wasn't until i'll give you a story 2018 i decided to do my biggest race to date, and it was literally a race across scotland that was that was what the race was called race across scotland from one the most most southern east uh, southern western point in um I can't remember, Port Patrick and going up the guts all the way and finishing in pretty much Edinburgh. And it was, or, or Glasgow, I can't remember. It was nuts. It was like, I can send it to you. It was a 345 kilometre race and it was what you would call cross country. Yeah. <laughs> and I did this race and I did it for two reasons at the time where I said, I want to do this um, selflessly for myself because this will be my biggest thing that I've ever done. But selfishly, I want to do this for other people to go look if a human being can do this don't let barriers hold you back that maybe you want to ask that girl on a date that you met at the coffee shop or maybe you want to write that book or start that business it was just showing perspective what humans can do about 50 hours or it was about 280 kilometers into the race um i or 180 miles for our imperial friends I broke down and I had to give up because my body's failing. I'm going through an identity crisis at this point, John, where I'm like, I don't want to be a runner anymore. So who the hell am I at this point? And that stuck with me for two two months. And this is post-writing the book. This is on this per- this person that's advocating mental health, resilience, and I don't want to be this person anymore because it's, all, it's, it's hit me like a ton of bricks, that I'm going through the suicidal tendencies again. So this is five years later. I'm going I'm, I'm going through self-harm in different ways and mentally and physically. And I just didn't feel like living because I didn't know who I was as a person, right? It's, it's a common thing with identity crisis where gold medal Olympians, they, they have this illustrious career. They finish their career and they're like, I don't know what to do anymore. And it can leave very bad for them. So for me, I was fortunate enough to go through that because I found men's work. There's an organization called uh, Mankind Project, an international group to help men be safer men's in the communities by helping process their emotional trauma and knowing their shadows. So you call them sharks, they call them shadows. And it's the things that make us hide, deny, repress who we are. And when we feed that shadow, oh my gosh, we do not shop as people, we do not shop with integrity. We, uh, yeah, it ends up being an absolute mess. So to answer your question, mate, it took me five years of going, all right, I'm going to run this marathon to this point of this still doesn't even make sense. I feel empty. Something doesn't feel right. And it, yeah, it was, it was nasty to know that afterwards. Oh, I was still doing this for validation. I was still doing this to be liked and loved and seen and heard when all this whole time I was enough and I could have given it to myself.
0: Yeah. I thought, look, I think that for me, it's a really similar journey. And what I say about my sharks, the hardest thing about giving up your sharks is that they make you swim incredibly fast so you become a world record swimmer <laughs> but they you're never going to beat the shark but I think there's a love hate with it right so you know the journey you you had to you, you had to have that moment to detach confidence and this was the other question I wrote down can you now distinguish between validation and confidence because that's, you didn't have confidence. You're still getting validation, but now it sounds like you've got confidence.
1: Yeah. And it's like one's internal, one's external and the confidence comes in with myself and it takes a lot of fails and fail. The term failure is obviously subjective and, but they, we need fails to be closer to where we want to be in success. I know that sounds cliche. The, I find that when, if I make it like as black and white as possible, I find like there's external and internal validation. And what am I doing? Is everything I'm doing, am I doing it based on what I believe is possible? What I think is right, based on what I believe is true. And the more I can do that, then the more confident I can be myself with that.
0: The, the, I, I want to elaborate a little bit on the, because the mankind project, if you can just explain that a wee bit to our our listeners because 48-hour boot camps um to 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 get to know your shadows i've just interpreted that but um you know helping people go through the rite of passage was your was your meltdown a rite of passage 280 miles into running over scottish hills how how did you how did the man how did the mankind how does it work and how did it help you I guess you went there as one of the coaches, not as a, as a
1: sort of client or did you go there as a client? Yeah. A client or an, um, an initiate, whatever you want to call it. Like for me, I found mankind project as a gateway to open up everything. And it's where I've learned a lot of things. It's where I've learned to process a lot of emotional trauma as a kid still learning and mm the work they, they say with these shadows is when we get processed or when we're doing a process on ourselves, we're just touching the shadow, right? We're, we're not, we might not get the whole thing. So for example, for me, um, a shadow is I, that I can come up for myself is I tell myself I'm unlovable or I tell myself I'm not enough or I'm not good enough. And that can come in different ways. So the the point why I do the work is so that I have awareness around that of what's going on before. So I can stay centered before that takes over. Um, I never went in as a, as a coach or a facilitator at the time because they make it that you have to go through the training first, right? This training, like this organization has been helping men since 1985, I, I believe in the States. And then um, one of the elders, his name's Larry Dawson. He, I look at him like a, he's got this beautiful paternal grandfather energy to him. And he brought it to Australia in the year 2000, and they've helped initiated men, tens of thousands of men, um, go through a rite of passage because what I, what is deemed as a rite of passage today is losing your virginity, getting married. It's, um, over here, they call it schoolie, So when you graduate high school, you just have a massive piss up for a week and all that. And that's today, societally. That's what's deemed as a rite of passage to become a man. Like that is a very hard question of what is it to be a man. So there, we get to learn the fundamentals of what it actually means to be a man and that i can show up as a safer man in for myself for my family that i can set myself as being a role model and for the communities and how i show up everywhere so that's the reason why i love this community and it's a way of how i give back as well
0: there's uh four archetypes it says here warrior magician king and lover yep so, so- this yeah, elaborate on that. That's that's interesting. I like I like the titles, but I, I don't know what it means. So, because uh, if you're a male and you think about worry, you think about you know, the the rugby league guy that's smashing someone. You know, he's tough. He walks off the field with blood running down his face. Um, or I think of someone who has, for me, a warrior. Someone who has um, enough vulnerability in themselves to to share their vulnerabilities. You know so I think with males especially in this hemisphere and females, I don't think I think you know that we shouldn't gender bias this because I think when you've got issues you've got issues. so we're living up to a stereotype that is completely wrong.
1: Yeah, um, that's a really valid point you've got there. um based based on the archetypes this this work has been essentially an amalgamation of several things. we've got, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And every movie is actually based on the hero's journey where you've got this character and they're going into the darkness to fight the dragon, but they need to, they go through their trenches of hell and find the sword, slay the dragon, come out and go back. And again, So there's a mixture of that. And then you've got, I want to say his name is Donald. I can't remember his last name, but he wrote the book, lover, king, magician, warrior, and they're the four essential personas of they use in the mankind project of who. We are, as guys, the energies that we can carry. So if we have a centerpiece that's like bang in the middle and then we have four quadrants in there, the quadrants are these energies of these four four archetypes. So we've got a lover. A lover is someone who's like quite joyful there. Think of the energy that you wanna be around when you're with your partner. You're just there, you're, it's kind of jolly, It's it can be intimate, Um, Then we've got warrior, the person that you were saying before. That's someone who gets things done, right? That's someone who takes a sword and we're going to get things done. Where after we've um, worked, we've done the plan with the client, we've got to execute now. So that is someone who executes. Then we've got the magician. The magician is the thinker and he's the person who can orchestrate things. He can articulate and he can architect things where we're coming up with plans. And then the king is essentially a sovereign who overlooks he's the person who has direction he can yeah he can he'll look up on a tree and he'll be like all right guys think of what a general does that's actually think of like what a water war general that's the king in this case the work that they say they do is how can we stay in center and we step into the quadrant for the tasks that we need to do so if i'm going into a meeting i probably don't want to step in warrior energy because i might intimidate the person i probably want to be more magician lover either one of those and then i need to step back because we all have dominant ones for me i tend to be more on the lover side or i tend to be in the magician because my job requires a lot of thinking and but there's a they call it a shadow side or the bad side right if i have a shadow magician that is the trickster john that's the person that's gonna i'm gonna be overthinking right a shadow lover is someone who wants that love from everyone so that's what i was going through someone who i had a terrible porn addiction. And I'm open about this. I haven't watched porn in two years. I had a terrible porn addiction growing up and it stuck with me for a long time. And it prevented me being in any relationship I was in. So I was in this unhealthy form of shadow lover. Then there's a shadow warrior. If you've got the warrior who's got a sword, he's the one that will take the sword on himself. It's essentially a masochist. And then I I talked about shadow magician who's essentially a trickster. And then there's a shadow king. That's a tyrant. Think of Oh, I don't want to talk politics, but let's talk Putin right now with Russia. Like that is a little boy in a man's body who has not done the work on himself. And yeah. wow, that's, so, a,
0: that's I love the way you said that. That's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, I love I love that because I, th- I I totally think you're you're correct. You know, but all those personalities within ourselves, and I think one of the you know one of the beautiful things about The journey that we've been on is you've got to look at those sharks you've got to look at those personalities in the face and see which side of that character you want to choose but i just want to change tack a wee bit because um i walked to base camp at everest um and so i really want to i really want to talk to you about the feeling of why? Why did you run down Everest? <laughs> like that's like that is just insane, my brother. A positive, a good insane, right? Um, and then, so tell me about that as a as a training and how you how you came up with the idea and, and how you actually executed it. But then the second thing, what you do when you want to give up in those situations now? So, you know, you've obviously overcome the two hundred and eighty k give up, and you've gone away and, and looked at your self but then how do you get over that so you're running down the side of everest and you go what am i doing you idiot (laughs) and and your mind tells you that you want to give up because you are
1: insane (laughs) oh mate um i i question it now after doing the work and going why did i do that but at the time if i talk about the thought pattern of why i did that um in 2016, a friend and I, when we decided to use our running to give back, we did 40 events in one year, right? So we did, that's almost one a fortnight, everything from a marathon to an ultra marathon, 24 hours on the treadmill, the most absurd events that we could come up with as well, to raise money for um, a specific charity. The following year, we decided to keep the momentum, but instead of focus on quantity, let's focus on quality. And instead, we decided to do 10 big events, so I was like, all right, let's do one a month, as opposed to three a month and let's de- dedicate it to a youth cause on something that means a lot to us and we'll come up with we called it the big 10 we had 10 big events and each event correlated to a different cause uh we did 48 hours in an altitude room and that was for youth mental health because we this altitude room was like a glass tank so it was working as hard as we could but people could look at us we have people analyzing us that's what it can feel like when we're kids. And especially when anxiety is higher than ever. And it was kind of to replicate that in the most unconventional way. Um, there, so I just wanted to give context on, on, on these events, but the fourth event, I believe, or the fifth event was this, this Everest race, and I had a few (laughs) connections around people who had cystic fibrosis and I wanted to get back to them. So cystic fibrosis is this lung and uh pank i believe it happens to pancreas too where they have trouble breathing and there's no cure for it yet so i had the opportunity to do this race and i wanted to correlate where where it's hard to breathe for people with cf i'm going to run this world's highest ultra marathon on the highest mountain because it's going to be hard to breathe so i'm like oh there's some sort of connection there so i've I did everything like i trained in an altitude gym i slept in an altitude box leading up to it i was in uh india nepal for two three weeks leading up to it, just so i can get accustomed to to altitude and the event itself um it's like a four-week thing john because it takes two. like you've done base camp it takes a couple of weeks to get yeah. there alone so it's not something you can just get helicoptered there and i I would never encourage it if you're doing a race like that because it's about gradual it's about keeping it gradual so we don't have a shock to the system and that we don't get high altitude pulmonary edema or high altitude cerebral edema we don't have liquid leaking from our bodies causing us to have incredible altitude sickness or potentially illness there so it took a while to get to base camp but some of us decided to do a bit of climbing while we're there, just so we can get accustomed. And we went to as high in one of the other mountains, we went as high as, uh, camp two of Everest. So about six, two meters went back to Everest base camp. And the, it was such a beautiful thing there because not many people get to actually went getting to base camp. I, I don't know for yourself, but if you have to, I think I heard that if you don't have a permit, you have to leave within that day. I don't think you get to stay the night so if you have a permit yeah yeah, right so we we were fortunate enough to actually be able to stay there because we had a permit for this race because the race starts at every space camp the race doesn't start at the top i think that's where people may get confused because it's impossible to run down (laughs) an incline like that and uh yeah so i did the there was a half marathon that started at one of the lower bases there was a full marathon and it was an ultra marathon. So, um, Namche Bazaar—you probably remember yeah. the main hub,
0: yeah. awesome
1: place, man. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. The race finishes at Namche Bazaar okay. on the 29th of the race finishes on the 29th of May, where Tenzing Hillary did their first summit. So it's kind of like it all goes well together. Cool. Um, except that the ultra goes is an extra what 20 30 kilometers that goes on the outskirts as well, so that they want to make it so that everyone ends at the same spot. Um, little did I know that the race was actually going to, when they do the outskirts, it's still going up and up. So I'm in this oh shit moment of, I didn't prepare mentally that I think we are going back up and yep. this answers your, your second question. What kept me going was realizing that there are people out there who have trouble breathing with cystic fibrosis. So I've only got to get through the next, I think it was 20 hours cause it was part of it I felt impossible to run in because my energy is running low. If these people can go through it for their entire lives, what's one day going to be for me? And having that thought in mind and in body was essentially the impetus to let me finish the whole race. And it was an awesome experience because i never going to be able to see um, credible views or yaks randomly on the, or just Sherpas doing their thing. So, yeah.
0: And, um, so when you when you don't have an so when you don't have an ulterior cause to keep you going, do, in those moments, do your doubts come up and how do you deal with them? So, you know, ultra running if you're not doing it for a cause or you do it for a cause because that's gonna that's going be a make you an awesome person full stop. But secondly, Um, you know, it helps keep you going. You know, that that's part of your personality. That's going to get you through tough times.
1: Yeah. I think whether doing it for a cause like a charitable cause, um, or doing it for yourself, I think what's important thing is what's the reason of doing it in the first place and really thinking, have it, keeping that the core. So when things feel like really hard, um, And it's, it's, it's the same with business too. Like why, why did we start the businesses that we're doing? There's an, like an intent, there's a, why there's a purpose that stays in the middle that everything needs to come back to that and just to keep it, if we want to say on brand and if we want to say business wise, but if I'm doing an ultra today and I'm doing it for myself and just say, the reason was, you know, I feel like the reason why I would do an ultra today is to go, I can actually do this for myself. And that's the thought I'm going to keep in mind and embodying it. And it's going to be different for everyone else because we're humans and we all have, we're quite dynamic creatures and we have different sorts and bodies and minds, whatever, and it's, why are we doing this in the first place and always coming back to it when things want, we want to give up, right? Yeah,
0: I, think, um, I, I think the, the, the physical side is really important for me because we, we talk about the, you know, we talk about the six pillars in groove, right? And you'll identify with this chill, connect, do, um, you know, move. So, but I think there is a a misconception about actually the physical side of things. It can be ultra marathons, but it can just be a walk, right? You know, there is, but movement is important, I believe. But we get all this information. I don't know how you feel. I say to people, which diet do we do? Do we just eat the vegetable garden or do we just eat the whole beast whole or do we do Hallyo, pulio Julio? I don't know anymore because every single day we get all this information about what these things are. But I think the most important thing and the question I have for you, how did you work out what is good for you?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. That's such a great question. And I'm still figuring that out every day. And it's, if I have this fixed mindset of this is it for the rest of my life, then I there's no way of knowing what's working, what's not working. So it's it's about constantly testing. If, we, if we're talking food, um, I had a bit of gut issues uh, a couple of years ago. So I did like a gut test and it turns out I was eating the wrong food. So I was at least trying to find ways, get, getting curious. That's probably the the lesson here. It's what am I getting curious about and what am I testing for myself to know what works and what doesn't work? Because we can have all these blanket statements of if we stick to the whole diet thing that you're talking about, carbs are bad. Cause they put them away. Well, I'm like, no, nah, not necessarily. If you're training for an event, you're probably going to need carbs. Right. And it's, it's, it's about going in with that open mind because that, that leads to, to a growth mindset as well. And that, that by sticking with that, that will, that will flow into every aspect of our life as well. And it's just that stuff that Carol Dweck talks about in her book Mindset.
0: Do you think, it was really interesting, and, and I firmly believe this, and I think it's important for our listeners, but I'm interested in your opinion. So you weren't well, but the journey was wellness. Do you know what I mean? Like when when I ask you stuff, you, you still haven't finished growing and neither have I. You know, people talk about growth mindsets. Um, but I think st- when people are really depressed and they, and I talk to them, I go, you know, it'll be one step forward. It'll be two steps forward, one step back. But that one step back feels like a million miles, not one step back. But you've got to remember that you've gone two steps forward, one back, and that's still one forward. So that journey is important. How did you rationalize that for yourself? You know, especially when you've written a book, you've been incredibly successful, and then you have a meltdown could you come to terms with saying, actually, I'm heading in the right direction?
1: Yeah, at the start, probably not. It's it's hard to come to terms because I'm in trigger. So it's hard to be logical in trigger. The emotional, my amygdala in the brain is firing harder than anything else. So that logical part of my brain is hijacked. That's probably <laughs> the best way to look at it. Yeah. And what allowed me to move past that and it's easier said than done and it's said so much these days but i don't think it's uh, if i explain, it was i needed to ask for help i needed to be okay with knowing i'm not okay and a lot of guys don't know how to ask for help they don't ask for help because they don't know how to and it's it's like articulating that message and it's there's a lot of ego there that's in the way that's because of the stigma of men are weak and men can't cry and, and all this kind of stuff like that is changing. And I'm loving that it's changing it. For me, I, I had to be able to ask for help and I had to reach out to a friend going, I'm in a very bad place. And I felt bad for sending it. Like, I'm like, I, I the story I was telling myself is I'm a burden mm. for going through this. And a mate of mine who introduced me to men's work. I'm like, all right, dude, I know you are going to be fine. I'm not going to have any judgment this is where i'm at right now and i need help and i'm open to seeing other options because obviously what i'm do- doing isn't working because I-, I just keep falling down the same pattern repetitive cycle in different ways that ends me up in the same position and it just had to come to terms and going i just need to get out of my head and out of my ego and trust that there's other process there's other ways Mm
0: -hmm. anyone out there who's listening, you're never a burden. And I think one thing I probably forgot to mention takes away your self-esteem, takes away your self-confidence, takes away your enjoyment in life, and you think you're a burden. It's part of the illness. Um, But people, like, you're not. You weren't, right? So it's actually just part of the illness that's told you that you're going to be a burden because anyone who you reach out to would have never thought that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, mate. Because it's very similar to like what I was saying when I saw that video that you were in. You were saying the judgment of people probably think I'm depressed. It's this the story that we tell ourselves can be incredibly powerful driver in sometimes the wrong directions, and that's what when I believe that story, when I believe that narrative, and I reinforce that belief that I'm a burden and I'm no longer enough, and all these things. That can be, nothing else is going to get in there. But the beautiful thing about going into this work, this men's work, and I advocate it so much because it saved my life. And I I don't say that lightly. I genuinely think it saved my life. And there's other men there that could probably relate. But I go in there knowing that I'm not alone. I go in there, I hear a man share his truth. I hear a man share what he's going through, and I trust that man more than I can more than ever, because he's able to say that. And I I probably forgot to mention, I didn't trust myself as a person growing up. So there's this whole thing of wearing this mask and all this because I didn't want to be myself because I didn't trust myself. And now I I can trust myself wholeheartedly.
0: The 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 trust thing is very interesting, isn't it? So just I I talk to a lot of parents that are dealing with youngsters that are having problems, um, you know, bullying are people, people don't understand the 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 devastation that bullying could be. But if you morph yourself back to that young man, what, what would be three things you would say to, um, your parents or your teachers or to stop that spiral?
1: Yeah. Right. Um, Incredible question, by the way, mate. (laughs) And it's, for me to reflect on it, it's very thought-provoking. I would say one is to not judge. And because we don't know the full story of everyone, it's it's a typical book. Don't judge a book by its cover, but judging can lead to shame. And I feel like shame is what kills men in particular and can kill women as well. Um, so that judgment piece, it's like, actually look, and I can't, if I'm judging someone else, I'm judging myself more than ever. Yeah. Right. So that's, it's essentially, it's a mirrored projection of that. That's probably number one. Um, look through things through, through, look through a lens of curiosity and open-mindedness because we, 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 we're unknown of the unknowns out there. Never know what we know. Right. Yeah. And the third one is lead from heart, not from head. It's And I, I'm going to probably contradict myself here because if we're in, making a – sometimes in a business, business decision, we need to make a rational decision there. But I feel that the heart is where we're going to make the majority of our decisions, and those two need to be aligned somehow. So leading from our – how we're feeling not from a thinking I feel it was going to be um better for the long term
0: yeah I, I I think that's beautiful because um what my dad told me was um all the information goes into the head and then the heart will actually make the right decision so stop listening to the head and listen to the heart which which actually for me is just a feeling I get a feeling actually physically in my stomach but it's actually learning to listen, right? So I, I I totally agree. Lead lead from the heart, not the head, because the head's got all the information, right? You don't need to you don't need to talk to it anymore. It's it's the computer fizzing away up there. Um, I got a question for you. So so um, at Groove we talk about being in your groove. We're trying to change the dialogue around mental health because most mental health discussion is steeped in negativity, right? Um, so when I'm in my groove. I'm really happy at home, so, you know, the wife and the kids are all going good. I'm really curious. Um, I'm really optimistic. My sharks aren't around, so I've got none of my sharks around. Um, I love the little things. I love music. I love, you know, I love the little things in life. And so that's when I'm in my groove. Um, so how do what what do you feel when you're in your groove, when you're feeling, man, I'm, I'm in my groove today?
1: Oh, mate, after the week I had last week recovering from COVID, I realized that my control, my emotions were controlling me and I was not in control of my emotions. So when I'm in control of my emotions, my day is great, right? So, and what helps that is when I have that morning routine and I'm very big on that routine, um, waking up, waking up early, ha- like smashing a bunch of water, going to the gym first thing, getting that movement and coming in, coming home, having a cold shower. So I can, so I can, uh, fabricate that adversity so that if any sort of hard things come my way, then at least I've done something hard to kickstart the day having, I'm just looking outside. Cause I'm like, what do I actually do in the morning? Do a bit of meditation, my journaling. And that even that quality time with my partner. So I've got connection that helps me. That helps me own my day instead of my emotions, owning me.
0: That's really So, so um, how do you make peace with your emotions then?
1: Right? Acknowledge, like acknowledgement of what's actually going on. So if I've got shame, and I had shame last week, because I wasn't happy with how I carried myself, because I let the little things get to me when I have acknowledgement of shame, then that shadow that we what, what we've spoken about that's behind me, and that's tugging at my shirt going, Nope, we're not making that we're feeding this instead. I put that shadow in front of me and I can see it. I'm not hiding behind it now. And it comes down to what are the other emotions I'm going through? If I'm sad, do I need to cry? Do I need to get some tears out? If I'm, ang- if I'm angry, do I need to scream into a pillow? What do I need to do to get that anger out so that it doesn't come out sideways? What do I need to process? And yeah, but it, it takes practice to do that. And to do that, it's about having essentially a support circle and... I like, I'm a big advocate, John, of everyone should have a therapist or a support group because we, we don't know what we don't know. And I, I trust, I, I feel like I trust someone more. Like I trust, I wholeheartedly trust you because I know you're someone that is happy to put their heart in their sleeve. And if more people can do that, how many more lives will be saved? How many less domestic violence would there be? How much better leaders of countries would there be? it would just all make sense yeah
0: <laughs> that so we, we talk about um i talk about my daily mental health plan the six pillars and this is this is um steeped in medical science we know that if people do this uh in their daily daily routines they will be more resilient and, and feel better so what do you do to chill and i'll just elaborate what do you do to relax and calm your mind and be present so that's what we call chill what do you do to chill <sighs>
1: What do I do to chill? I like to go on walks. I know like I was like this endurance guy and I've been injured around the knee. So I've had to look at other sports, but I really do enjoy enjoy going for a walk, whether it's for myself, with my partner or with a friend. That is something where I'm doing, I don't know, I'm out in nature. I'm getting some movement in. I'm able to slow things down. Um, Something I've been... I, something I did before this call, I put in my headphones, noise cancelling headphones. I listen to some binaural beats just so I can, so that vibrations there that I can just be on a nice, I, I can feel calm. They're, they're the two biggest things for me. Um, yes. I know when I'm, when I don't prioritize those, um, my partner will tell me, <laughs> me <too. laughs> she keeps <laughs> you
0: accountable. Yeah. Get out and go for a walk. Well, how do you connect? What do you do for social connection?
1: Oh, this is a big one for me. This is like connectedness is my top value right there. Um, I go to this men's group every Tuesday, so they they call them I groups. I get to, it's, it's healthy for men to have relationships with other men. It's, it's needed. And it's, it's biological when I can meet other guys that are doing the work or looking to do the work, I feel connected because it makes me, sometimes they're doing work for me. Um, that's a big one.
0: What do you do to be creative? Yeah. So the do, what, what, do for us is what do you do to be creative? What hobbies do you have?
1: What are you learning that is new? There, there's, a, there's a saying that I love and it's when was the last time you did something new for the first time? And it, it stumps a lot of people, me included. Something that I've been doing is when it comes, because I love my sports and hence why I was absolutely stoked to jump on this podcast because obviously you're a, a rugby legend It's what other types of of movement can I do that I've never tried before? Right? So I signed up to a Pilates gym and I'm a dude that's open and happy to share it. And I've taken up reformer that helps my range of my range of motion. That's it's quite a meditative in a way. It helps with, it's helping with my knee injury and all these things. I feel like a student when I'm doing this, like I'm just learning as I go. And as I do that, that helps open a gateway of what else can I be open-minded to? So that helps with creativity. So, yeah.
0: Um, so I won't ask you about the move one because you, you, you go to the gym and you also do ultra marathons. How do you celebrate? This is a really important thing. Um, I believe, especially for, uh, males, um, in Australia and New Zealand, but also, uh, everybody in Australia and New Zealand, we actually don't know how to foster positive sense of self self compassion and finding fun. So when I say people celebrate, I don't mean going out and having a few drinks and having a party. How do you celebrate your positive sense of self?
1: It's the one that I have trouble with the hardest out of all the values. And that's just me being honest. Um, Because there is a shadow there that I'm undeserving of success. So why should I celebrate? Like that's, that's, that's what can happen internally. The, the, the um, story I'm telling myself. So if it was years ago, it would have been what you said, celebrating, let's just get absolutely wasted. And then I've just made some poor decisions there. And then I'm like, okay, I feel like I've just gone backwards now because of that. So if I were to now it's, it's really the little things like journaling it down is something that I like to do. Cause I'm like, I'm putting my thoughts onto paper that helps. Um, and going out and getting a coffee. I know this sounds so like, it sounds so small, but I just, I, am a huge coffee fanatic, but I just like gone for a walk to the local coffee shop and just that experience. And cause I'm doing that for me. That's and so important,
0: mate. That's what, that's what I would trying to communicate. Like you're like the little things keep us well, right?
1: It is, mate. It really is.
0: So what do you enjoy? What do you do? Um, for self care and things that you look forward to in your day? What are you looking forward
1: to? Oh, great question. So I've done the coffee thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I get another coffee, Man, it's all good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, to be honest, like, I'll try and get a walk on. I'll try and get a walk in the afternoon. That's something cool. that I've been trying to make a ritual. Um, something that I've learned to experiment with john is actually what am I doing? what am I doing in the evening routines? So yeah. there's a lot of talk about morning routines. I'll do deep breathing before I go to bed. Cause that helps me sleep. Um, my partner and I, we don't have, we don't have a TV and wow. some people look at us and I'm like, cool. it's okay. I've got my phone anyway, but that <laughs> I, I look forward to that quality time from a love language. That's, that's for me. And that's hence why connectedness is up there too. But I look forward when I can have those really conscious conversations with the people that I love the most and the people that I love having in my inner circle and just other people that other, even strangers. Like I love that. So that quality time when I'm on from business, I know I'm trying not to keep it too personal in a business standpoint, but when I get to meet those clients that I can really click with, then it doesn't even feel like business after a while. But I look forward to those conversations too, because that social connection that you spoke about is, is, is so incredibly important to me.
0: So here's some quick fire for you. Who do you admire for having great habits and behaviors around well being?
1: Look, I'm a a huge sports nut. Um, I was a big fan of Kobe. um, Yeah, Kobe. Wow. Um, Kobe's up there. Um, People like Elon, like the guy just got things done. Arnold Schwarzenegger, like I was a huge fan of Arnie. Still am. Love his book. Yeah, Arnie's up there because the guy like just oh, yeah. defied everything what was possible. Like the guy became couldn't speak English, and then he became the governor um, <laughs> of of California, right? So like that guy had a lot of habits, and he had a really good mindset around that. So they're the three people that I could think of.
0: What are you reading right now?
1: Oh, what am I reading? I'm listening to a book called The Postnatal Depletion Cure because oh. um, I'm I'm looking at um. In pregnancy, a lot of people talk about birth. They don't talk about what usually happens post birth. So I'm wanting to get a perspective on what, what my partner will be going through so that I can, I know what to support. her once babies.
0: That's beautiful. You will drive home from the hospital at 30 K's an hour, by the way. So I'll just, that one <laughs> up. You know, that will happen. it's okay. It's all good. Um, I know that, uh, you've started a podcasting consultancy working with business leaders in Australia to articulate and communicate well-being focused programs to their teams and communities, which is awesome. But what are you listening to right now from a podcast?
1: Oh, um, great question. I listened to Stephen Bartlett's podcast. Um, yeah. it's called Diary of a CEO. He's just, in, uh, I admire him because he's not afraid to ask the hard questions, even if they're confronting. Um, and when, when he can ask the guests those really confronting questions, like you've done for myself, which I, I, I love, um, it, there's a different perspective that comes from it. And yeah, I just, I find that so fascinating. Cool. Um, what keeps you
0: awake at night?
1: <sighs> Work. <laughs> work the anxieties of work honestly
0: what's an open mind for you uh
1: embracing curiosity beautiful that's who should i interview next Ooh, who should you interview next i know someone that you should interview next um her name is julie gillespie um a friend of mine a, a client of mine actually here in um in brisbane and she uh, has a podcast called conversations with Julie and she absolutely changes the game with how we should be having conversations in a business context. So this would be perfect. Cause I know groove is about workplace. She interviews subject matter experts about how to have a conversation. So there's psychological safety there. So it's more than it's, it's beyond going, how are you? It's, it's, it's coming. It's knowing how to be a compassionate, functional leader. And so that our staff know how to ask for help when it's needed and i saw i know you guys have this because you have it on your website it starts with the individual yeah and then it goes essentially to the leaders and then it goes from a company standpoint and then if we go the fourth stage is industry so think about how i don't know if it is the same in in new zealand with construction but over here we've got the blokiest of blokes where they think they're hard as nails when Sometimes they're really not. And they're the ones that don't know how to ask for help or think about sales, those strong sales industries. It's just, let's just get KPIs. Let's get metrics. Let's celebrate. Well, let's go get on the drugs and the booze when it's, it's not all about that. So for what she's doing, I think she's doing something incredible with how we can have the conversation, the right conversations so that we benefit internally. And she's a mental health first aid practitioner too. So she trains yeah, So right. I, I find like, there's a correlation there with what you guys are doing too. So it could be good.
0: What would be your final message
1: to listeners? If you're listening to this, know that you are enough. Beautiful mate. Um,
0: everyone has a plan until the shit hits the fan. People, reading for me is soul food. Um, That's been an amazing hour for me. It's flown by. Your insights, your care, and your love for other people has transmitted through a screen we haven't met personally, but um, that was just beautiful, mate. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, That was amazing. And that's my dog just barking. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Minded. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe. This podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts, so make sure you do that. (laughs) I don't need to tell you how, and then you'll get my new episode straight away. And if you can leave a review, tell everyone you know about it, it'd be awesome. If you could help spread the word about the show, thanks. But also, I'd love to get your feedback. You know, I'm new to this, I want to get better, and I want to know what you want to know about mental well-being. So... Please reach out to us and thanks and I'll see you all soon.